This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Hello and welcome to Paranormal Pets. This is our final episode on the yokai and it is a catch-all for everything we have not gotten to including the river otter and the human-faced animal yokai spirits that are out there. So once again I have the paranormal pug pack sleeping about me so please ignore any background sounds Uh, but there will not be any talk of any nether regions as far as I can think of at this point. So be prepared for the wrap-up episode to this series for paranormal pets and we will get started with that right after these messages. Not pumped about cleaning the litter box? Try World's Best Cat Litter Zero Mess, the litter that gives you two times better clumping and more odor control with less litter. That's right, you scoop once and you're done. No chiseling, no scraping, no crumbling, no problem. Looking for fast and easy litter box cleanup? Zero mess. Try it. You're welcome in advance. Save $2 on World's Best Cat Litter. Visit www.saveonworldsbest.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. And welcome back to Paranormal Pets. I'm your host, Brandy Stark, and as I have explained in all of these other episodes, and we're going to do this, bam, in five seconds. Let's see if we can do it. Uh, This was inspired by a class called 1106 that I taught this fall with the lens of the man, myth, monster, and magic. A group project happened at the end. Students chose to do the yokai and to analyze these creatures as forms of cultural expression. Was described a book that one student suggests I should get. I got said book. And here we are talking about yokai. What is a yokai? A yokai is a really funky little critter that is somewhat difficult to describe. It is the eerie sensation that comes in life. It is the feeling watched when you're completely alone. It is the moment between moments. It is the ceiling stain that wasn't there the other day. It is the urban legend, ghost story, kami helper, you name it. That's what a yokai is. They're super difficult to explain. But they are a heck of a lot of fun. So one of our catch-all figures is known as a kawaso or a river otter. Kawaso are found in various regions throughout the country where they are known for deception and mischief similar to that of the kinetsu and the tanuki. Prior episodes, both of those. And like the kinetsu and tanuki, kawaso are related to a real mammal, in this case, the river otter. Since at least the Edo period, the Kuose has been famous for assuming the guise of attractive humans in order to deceive other humans. In some literary accounts, it is portrayed as a particularly cruel yokai, transforming itself into a beautiful woman in order to kill a man. Tales of otters taking the guise of beautiful women are also found in early Chinese texts. In some local folklore, Kawaso are conflated with Kappa, performing the same types of mischief and similarly challenging humans to sumo battles. In fact, the names Kawaso and Kawaso are sometimes used in variant labels for Kappa. At the very least, Kawaso and Kappa are close relatives. Toriyama 
Seikens Kawaso, walking upright and wearing a sedge hat, appears in his earliest text on the page facing the kappa. Both the image of the Kawaso and the word itself are deeply linked with the Japanese river otter, the Lutra, Lutra, Oily, Waitilei, I guess is how you say that, which once swam in abundance throughout the Japanese area, eating shrimp and fish. These sleek, carnivorous creatures grew to be about a meter long. Given their quick, flashing movements and expressive faces, it is easy to imagine them possessing shape-shifting and deceptive capabilities. Unfortunately, they are also possessed of highly desirable fur, which was primarily sold to foreign traders. And more recently, during Japan's post-war period of rapid industrialization, many rivers were dammed and polluted gradually destroying the Kawasu's natural habitat. The wild otter was spotted in a prefecture in 1979, but none have been seen since. Ah, humankind, we just suck. In September of 2012, the Japanese Ministry of the Environment officially declared them extinct. So, kind of an interesting idea. A lot of these yokai do have shape-shifting abilities. They are trickster figures. A river otter, I can certainly see fitting in with this. This will be kind of interesting. We're going to take a look at the Ningyo, the mermaid or merman, which basically is a human-fish hybrid often found throughout the world. But in Japan, the earliest documented account of a Ningyo, literally human fish, appears in the Nihoshoki, where it is recorded that in Osaka in the year 619, a fisherman caught something shaped like a child. It was neither fish nor person, and its name was unknown. Historically, the implications of a Ningyo sighting varied. It might be considered a sign of prosperity to come, or alternatively interpreted as an omen of impending catastrophe, such as a typhoon, earthquake, or tsunami. Either way, however, the Ningyo were thought to possess great powers. One famous belief was that eating a Ningyo meat would sometimes bring you long life. Sometimes just looking at a Ningyo was considered good fortune. A woodblock print from 1805, for example, shows a female Ningyo from current-day Toyama area with a comment that a person who looks even once at this fish will have a long and happy life, free of natural disasters and bad things. And the story of uh, Hapayuki Bikuni, the 800-year-old nun, is one of the best-known legends or complexes of legends associated with the Ningyo. A tale reveals the mixed blessings that a long life can bring. So the story is that a man invites a guest to his house to eat a rare fish, which turns out to be a ningyo that he has caught in his nets. The man is really kind of repulsed by this because it still has some humanness to it. And so he refuses to eat the meat, but his friend is so insistent that he actually packs his meat up into a you know take-home box. The man takes the meat home and not really knowing what to do with it, he kind of puts it in the fridge where, if you will, his daughter finds it and eats the meat and promptly stops aging. And so as time progresses, her parents and friends all die and she is left lonely. Eventually, she becomes a nun and travels throughout the country doing good things for everyone she meets. At the age of 800, she returns to Wakasa Obama to enshrine herself in a cave by the sea. Just before entering the cave, however, she plants a single camilla tree near the entrance saying, when this tree withers, please think that I have died. According to the legend, this tree continues to live. The Ningyo can vary in appearance. They have the upper body of the creature of the head, sometimes the arms as well, which is human-like while the lower body is fish-like. The inverse has also been found on occasion. In many Edo period illustrations, Ningyo have horns protruding from their otherwise human-like heads. A number of mummified mermaids can be still found today. These mummies seem to have been artfully constructed during the Edo period by Japanese and possibly other Asian fishermen who would stitch together the upper body of a monkey and the lower body of a fish. 
Mermaid making like this, which required a sophisticated knowledge of taxidermy, may have been a way for seafaring people to pass the time and perhaps make a little extra money. Several of the existing examples of these creatures are found in Holland and were most likely sold or traded to Dutch sailors by Japanese fishermen. The most notorious desiccated mermaid was one that was displayed in 1842 by the great American showman P.T. Barnum. Called the Fiji Mermaid, this ugly, shriveled, two-foot, ten-inch mummy was caused to celebrate when Barnum showed it with the great fanfare in New York. Not only did it make viewers rethink their common conception of the mermaid as an attractive woman, but it also set off a debate among the naturalists and general public about the possibility of mermaids in the first place. In 1822, a ninja was introduced in London, and it was one of London's greatest scientific sensations. People thronged to see it, and most newspapers had articles about the remarkable stuffed mermaid. The ninja was first brought to London by Samuel Barrett Eads, an American sea captain who had purchased it from Dutch merchants in Holland. The Dutchmen claimed that they had bought it from Japanese fishermen who caught it in his nets. The ultimate fate of the Fiji mermaid is unknown, though it was probably destroyed in a Boston fire in the 1880s. But in the sensational global sojourn from Japan to Holland to Britain to the United States, this one small yokai seems to have made the remarkable impression on a great number of people, inspired debates among scientists and the general public, and played a small but meaningful role in Western cultural history. In 1990, a yokai called the Genomengo, or human-faced fish, became an instant media sensation in Japan when a weekly magazine published a photo of a carp that had what looked like a human face, found in a temple pond in Yagamata Prefecture. And actually, I did do some research on this because the human-faced animal, it turns out, is kind of a worldwide sensation, and there have been several that have been uh, allegedly found. So I actually did find an image of this carp, and I believe they said that it was a cross between two types of fish. Huh, I guess I lost that article. But it was basically two different types of carp were crossbred. The resulting fish looks kind of human. It has human-ish eyes, if you will. But it, to me, it looks more like a fish statue than it does as an actual human face. There were also rumors about a human-faced dog that was also supposedly born, which is also a form of yokai, which is kind of interesting. I did do some research, again, on human-faced animals. I do see that April 27, 2016, according to the express.co.uk, and uh, I, I have seen some of their articles, and I do find them to be rather... This is the Express, the home of Daily and Sunday Express for the UK. Some of their stories seem to be a little sensationalized, but shocking pictures. Farmer left absolutely horrified as goat born with human face. And so uh, there's a goat that promptly died, but social media went to meltdown after a farmer posted a photo online of a mutated animal, which has people-like features. A baby goat born in the village of Feldka in Malaysia has a distinctively human face and bipedal frame. The deformed ungulate did not survive long after birth. The 63-year-old farmer that, uh, I guess, owned the goat said he was first alerted to the unnatural birth by one of his farm hands. When I went to check, I was quite shocked, but fascinated too, as its face, nose, short legs, and even the condition of its soft body seemed like that of a human baby, whereas the light brown fur covering the whole body resembled that of a goat. Apparently, it died quite quickly. It was trampled by its mother, so it did not make it long after birth. 
So possibly when I look at the picture, I almost wonder if it's a form of dwarfism, something that we see in Grumpy Cat with the very unusual facial features and the truncated legs. There are a series of these animals that were born, but I can't really seem to find any pictures. I just see really the human-faced goat creature. So, you know, kind of interesting. Is it a yokai? Probably not. But is it fascinating? Always. So what we're going to do at this point is, uh, as the paranormal pug pack is kind of waking up from a nice little evening nap, I'm going to pause for some commercial messages. And then when we get back, we will finish up our story of the yokai with a few human-faced animals, which are always fun to talk about. So we will be right back after these messages. Time for something really scary. A word from our sponsors. Paranormal pets will reappear before you can say Bigfoot. Don't run away. Retrievers, Labradors, Goldens are the main breeds that come through our door, but we'll train anything with four legs and a tail. My husband and I own a kennel. We train hunting dogs and also have a boarding and grooming business. Our dogs, they're athletes, and we feed a very quality food. You can't get enzymes in a commercial dog food because they cook it at such a high heat that so much important nutrition is just cooked right out of it. But adding Dynavite to their diet has... Every single dog in my kennel looking better than they have ever looked. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. 859-428-1000. The omega-3 fatty acids. Flaxseed, zinc, alfalfa. The digestive enzymes that are cooked out of regular dog food. Dynavite is nutrition. If you want the dog to be healthy, you got to feed it something healthy. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E. <laughs> Dynavite's the bomb. 859-428-1000. 859-428-1000. Dynavite for life. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio dot com. <laughs> Did you hear that? Our commercials have mysteriously disappeared. Paranormal Pets is back with our haunted host, our ghost host, Brandy Stark. And welcome back to Paranormal Pets. As you can hear, the shift was merely an illusion. My pugs have decided to continue their lovely little nap. So, uh, of course, granted, it is probably 11-something. Oh, wow, it's 11.42 already. So I can see why they're asleep. And I should probably be asleep fairly soon myself. But we are going to finish this episode on the yokai. There is an interesting entry here on the Kubikiri Uma, the headless horse. So it's a horse with no head. Folklore concerning the Kubikiri Uma is found throughout various places in Japan, but especially in Fuki Prefecture and the four prefectures of Shiokoku. While legends of the creature vary, they are sometimes characterized as steeds on which deities ride when they come visiting on New Year's Eve or the Setsubun holiday. That is, like many yokai and mysterious phenomena, the Kubikiri Uma appear at moments of transition, in this case during the liminal times between the end of the old year and the start of the new. This hybrid creature appears in medieval texts, most famously the tale of the Hayeki, where it is subdued by Minamoto no Yorimasa. And this is from 1106 to 1180. Most likely the new originated in China. And so there we go. 
There is another entry on the new, which is where I was starting next. It was most likely a bird from China that its story of the new bird ends up going to Japan. It is said to make a sad call in the forest at night. After the call of the strange bird is heard, purification ceremonies were performed in the palace. The bird in question here is probably what we now call a white's thrush. The kanji for new consists appropriately of two components, night bird. It describes the call of the bird as being a portent or an omen. By the tail of the heiki, however, the new had become a chimera-like hybrid made from the head of a monkey, the legs of a tiger, and a snake's tail, all linked by the inherently shape-shifting body of a tunicky. Uh, which we discussed in a prior episode. There's a thunder beast, the Raju. It is said to come down on earth with a lightning bolt during the thunderstorm. Lightning scars on trees were sometimes attributed to this beast. Although it is not the best known yokai, the Raju were exceedingly common during the Edo period with numerous documents, illustrations, and even mummified bodies recording their appearances in regions throughout Japan. They come in a wide variety of sizes and shapes, ranging from squirrel or weasel-like creatures to beasts more akin to dogs or large cats. Clearly, lightning and thunder were mysterious, frightening, transcendent phenomena for people in the past and present, and it is not surprising that they were associated with deities and mysterious creatures. The exact relationship between the Raju and the Thunder Gods varies from region to region. Oh, it's actually pretty cool. If you ever look at the image, it can look like a two-tailed raccoon in a storm cloud. There is something called the Tsushido Noko, which is a short, thick, snake-like creature. It is supposed to be poisonous, and it continues to live even after its head has been cut off. It is very elusive. It is a cryptid as well, so kind of a cool thing there. The word uh, shuniko can be interpreted variously depending on the kanji as a child of the earth, or more commonly small mallet or mallet child in reference to the creature's short, stocky shape, similar to that of a Japanese tool known as a tsuchi, which can be used as a hammer, mallet, or pestle. Apparently it has been seen or heard since the Edo period, and it has become part of an urban legend. It kind of looks like a flat snake, which is interesting. Uh, I'm not quite sure how else to describe that. For those cat lovers out there, you also have a yokai. It is called the Bakineko, the monster cat or goblin cat. My dad would have loved this. There are numerous examples of yokai cats in Japanese folklore where they are portrayed as everything from lighthearted tricksters to vicious monsters, which is basically a cat. Presumably, the quiet, intelligent mien of the cat, along with its stealthy prowling behavior and powerful vocal abilities, contributes to a sense of the mystery and otherworldliness. In Japan, like many other places in the world, cats seem to occupy the ambiguous position in human lives. They sit calmly, purring in our laps one minute, and go off chasing things in the next. So essentially, when we take a look at a Nikomata, it stands on two legs, it has a towel on its head, and then is sometimes accompanied by a cat that sits inside of a house and a cat that sits under a tree, possibly representing cats as both domestic and feral. Another yokai cat is called a Banico, which might be loosely translated as a monster cat. They generally look no different than regular cats, but they have gained power with age. In some parts of Japan, it was said that a pet cat kept longer than a certain number of years would kill its master or, more commonly, turn into a bakanitiko and perform all sorts of mischievous acts. Such misbehavior might be comical, speaking in a human voice, for example, or dancing around with a towel on its head, or it might be terrifying, such as turning into a human, molesting travelers, possessing people, or manipulating the bodies of the dead. Don't you just hate it when cats do that? 
so kind of a, a cool thing there. You do end up with the Kudan, the human-faced bovine. It is a cower bull with the face of a human. Upon being born, it will utter prophecy and then die. It is said to appear at times of social upheaval or rapid change, and its prophecy often concerns a natural disaster or an epidemic of some sort. And this prophecy is guaranteed to come true. Uh, basically, people also created images of the Kudan, and they were also able to, quote-unquote, mummify them with skillful use of taxidermy. So again, like the mermaid, you end up with the proof that these things exist, even if it's manufactured proof, through the use of taxidermy. Let's see if there are any others. They do have some toilet creatures. They have a yokai with removable heads. There is our slit mouth woman. Oh, there is a human-faced dog. It's called the Jimin Ken. The second half of 1989, an urban legend featuring a dog with a human face caused excitement across Japan, primarily among elementary school children. The rapid transmission of the rumor was propelled by mass media, especially weekly magazines and sports tabloids. The modern precedent for a yokai becoming a media sensation had been established by the Kuchi Saki Ona almost exactly 10 years earlier, but the Jimenken may have even been more predominant in this context than its predecessor, perhaps because because of their propulsion through mass media rather than by word of mouth, stories about Jemakin never became complex and seemed to have been told more for comic effect than out of belief or fear. Usually it was a brief contact, startling. You see a dog rummaging through your garbage. It looks up at you with a human face and says, just leave me alone. Or what are you looking at? And sometimes this encounter would occur while people were driving, running at a tremendous speed. A dog would overtake the car and look back with its human face. It was variously explained by the results of a DNA experiment or as a ghost of a person hit by a car while walking a dog. Now that would suck, right? Uh, you come back merged with your pet into a yokai. There have been stories of dogs with human faces in Japan since at least 1810, when it was reported that a human-faced puppy was put on display in a spectacle show uh, where it was very, very popular. Famously, a dog with the face of a man appears in the 1978 American film Invasion of the Body Snatchers. It is unclear whether the appearance of the Jemekin in Japan in the late 1980s and the early 1990s was related to these previous versions. It fits with a typical yokai pattern of non-humans with human faces, such as the human-faced tree, the mermaid, the human-faced fish, the human-faced bovine. So there's actually kind of a subcategory. And actually, if you think about it, one thing that I do find fairly interesting is that there are some interesting connections, perhaps, to angels, angelic figures, some of which have human faces, I believe that in Islam, there was a, an angel with the body of a, I think it was the body of a mule, the face of a man, and the tail of a peacock that appears in some of the Islamic scripture. You do have some angelic beings that have four faces, uh, human and animal, and they end up being quite fearsome. And they are, of course, very high-ranking angelic beings. So I do find that some of these actually connect up pretty interestingly as worldwide phenomena. We talked about the Baku, we talked about the Pillow Shifter. We actually did talk about quite a few different yokai, which is kind of interesting. So, wow, at this point, I am going to say we are putting this topic to bed. I think I've done six or seven episodes. I think I am good with that. So at this point, I am going to thank you so much for your patience 
for going through this super fast look at yokai. There are many, 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 many more out there. And I encourage you to do research to see which ones you like, what you connect with, and how they affect your reality. I know that I am never going to look at the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles the same way again. I will try to keep the soap scum out of my bathtub. And I now know that my house has eyes that are watching me even when there's nobody else here. Thanks to these yokai stories. Please remember to support your local animal shelters and your local animal rescues. Any of them, like Pug Rescue of Florida, always need fosters and need loving, caring people to work with them and the animals. If you would like to learn more about the supernatural world, feel free to check out the Spirits of St. Petersburg website at www.spiritsofstpetersburg.com or St. Petersburg Paranormal Investigation, both teams are mine, www.sppipinellas.com. I hope that you guys will check out Spectral Musings, which is the little booklet that I wrote. It is up on amazon.com. It is 99 cents through the Kindle or $3.95 for hard copy and does encompass the history and the ghostly lore of the Suntan Art Center. Proceeds do help to support the ghost teams. Remember that we are LLC and so that is an expense and we try to cover that however we can. So with that all said, the paranormal pug pack who remains asleep through all of my agony in producing these episodes and I wish you happy hauntings and bid you a fond adieu. Until next time, take care. Pet Life Radio presents Paranormal Pets, where you can always expect the unexpected. Each week we'll discuss all aspects of weird or spiritual animal encounters, ghosts, totems, psychic animals, animal souls, animal angels, and animals in religion, with a little cryptozoology thrown in. Step into the supernatural world of pets every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.